This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I am Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We're broadcasting out of Pistown, Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. Check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash district sentinel. Election night. We've got an election tonight, Sam. Out in Georgia, the Senate runoff, which will determine the power balance in the Senate for this next session of Congress. Care to make any predictions? No, I don't. <laughs> you've been, I, you've I will been pretty say bullish. That you've been pretty bullish about the Democrats' chances in Georgia for a while now. I mean, it's hard not to be a little bit optimistic when uh, watching videos of Lynn Wood go around the state telling everyone to uh, write in Trump, which I don't think is possible in a runoff. Um, I think that there are a lot of sour grapes on the Republican side, and that's a, that's a huge variable here. I mean, I, I saw a poll uh, a few days ago, and obviously caveat um, polling is broken, but uh, I did see a poll showing that uh, Warnock and Ossoff were ahead. Hmm. So I, you never know. You, you, uh, you might just be surprised tonight. I, I will say this, though. If the unthinkable happens and both Democrats do win, I'm pretty sure Joe Manchin will be a Republican by the end of the week. <laughs> uh, yeah, if... If he doesn't make it official, he'll just do it by by way of voting uh, this entire session. No, I I mean I I meant I know, officially, I like mean. as in he would say no. I still support Mitch McConnell uh, as the uh, the Senate leader. <laughs> Maybe he would still do that while trying to remain a Democrat. Yeah, and knowing the Democrats, they'd be like, well, we're we we're a diverse them. party. We're a big tent party. We're we're a big tent party. <laughs> We have room for people to support Mitch McConnell in the party. We're not doing a podcast tomorrow. We, well, we are. We've got Chip Chat coming out tomorrow. We're going to be talking about the Julian Assange extradition uh, hearing that happened this week. So um, we're not going to be discussing on the podcast tomorrow the events that will be going on tomorrow, which um, I'll be observing while we uh, do some means morning news work. Um, we've got the Congress, which will be certifying the presidential election results. Mike Pence will be presiding over all of it. Trump tweeting today that Vice President Pence has the authority to reject electors from states where there was fraud. So uh, we do know that people like Josh Hawley, Louis Gohmert and other Republicans are planning to contest the results of the election. And we know that there are a lot of far right reactionary organizations descending upon Washington, D.C. for all of this. In fact, they're already here. There's a rally over at Freedom Plaza today in which uh, MAGA people were encouraged to hug each other and shout super spreader event all while not wearing masks to each other. This is a uh, death cult. 
So yeah, tomorrow could get pretty wild. Keep an eye on that. Yeah, it, it, it certainly could. It got wild last night outside of Josh Hawley's house <laughs> where people knocked on his door and uh, said some things through a megaphone and tried to hand him a copy of the U.S. Constitution. And he went on online and tweeted that Antifa has thugs have come to threaten his wife and his newborn uh, while he's not even in town. And uh, yeah, he's just a quivering little uh, piece of shit. Yeah, I don't know what to say. Just, I mean, I, I I do know what to say. I've al- I've already, already tweeted said it. it. He's so. a quivering piece of shit. Well, that too, but um, there's this whole thing where uh, fascists uh, portray their their adversaries as both uh, comically weak and also scary and powerful at the same time. And I, I know this, I'm well aware of this tendency, but it, it's, it's always nails on a chalkboard for me when dipshits like Josh Hawley start blubbering <laughs> about Antifa super soldiers. Man, between uh, protesting at Josh Hawley's house and you know trying to confront fascists on the streets in DC, there's so many opportunities for uh, direct action and protest. You don't need to waste it on a uh, parliamentary tactics. <laughs> you got 25 people to show up to your force the vote rally. That's a failure. I'm sorry. And the reason why it's a failure is not because I tweeted mean things about it. It's because it was never a serious effort to begin with. Right. Why stop at forcing the vote on Medicare for all? We should we should force the vote on communism. <laughs> One we neat trick Congress to end vote. capitalism. We should make Congress vote on communism. That's how it's done, right? That's right. It's Tuesday, January 5th, 2021. Here's the news. The Environmental Protection Agency finalized a new rule on Tuesday that will make it more difficult to pass public health measures to reduce pollution. The rule has the succinct title of, quote, Strengthening transparency in pivotal science underlying significant regulatory actions and influential scientific information, end quote. With a name like that, you know it's designed to do some nefarious shit, and indeed it is. Basically, the rule prevents the EPA from using scientific studies to set environmental regulations unless the raw data from those studies is also made public. This is a poison pill rule because most of the raw data that underpins environmental studies on the health effects of, for example, pollution, contains sensitive personal medical information about participants that can't be released to the public. So the position of the Trump EPA is, well, if it can't be released, you can't build a regulation off of it. The rule would invalidate the use of a landmark 1993 study out of Harvard that first linked pollution to premature death. Finalizing this rule has long been a priority for climate change deniers and industry executives. When the Trump administration first offered it back in 2018, it received over 600,000 public comments, making it one of the most commented upon rule changes ever at the EPA. EPA administrator and former coal lobbyist Andrew Wheeler unveiled the finalized rule on Tuesday, during an event at the hyper-reactionary American Enterprise Institute. You probably have seen videos on social media of asswipe cops refusing to wear masks at protests. 
Today, the Justice Department released a survey on the mask diligence or lack thereof by cops. The agency polled more than 6,000 law enforcement officers with the FBI, DEA, ATF, U.S. Marshals, and at U.S. Attorney's offices. The number of those who reported wearing a mask sometimes or never at work was 38%. By contrast, the number of Americans who told Pew in June that they sometimes hardly ever or never wear masks while shopping was 31%. Respondents to the DOJ poll also reported that a majority of state, local, and federal partners sometimes or never wear masks. 54% said that of federal partners. 58% said the same about state and local partners. The survey also revealed some troubling facts about testing and tracing. Only 60% of respondents agreed that detainees showing COVID symptoms would be tested in custody, though it's surprising that the number is that high considering the horror stories coming out of federal prisons. Also, only 36% of respondents said that their agency has a protocol for informing state and local counterparts when a federal agent in the region tests positive for COVID. As if the Smithfield plants weren't bad enough, there's something about pigs and COVID that creates a dangerous situation. Moving on, a top federal prosecutor in Georgia resigned abruptly yesterday, just ahead of today's runoff election in the state. Young B.J. Pack stepped down as the U.S. attorney in Atlanta. He was supposed to stay on in the role until Inauguration Day. The move comes the day after a recording was released of Trump pressuring Georgia officials to alter vote totals to show that actually he won the state. Politico noted that Trump can be heard on the recording bashing, quote, a never-Trumper U.S. attorney. According to Pac's associates, the president was referring to Pac. In an additional piece of intrigue, it appears that the normal line of succession is not being followed. Pac's acting replacement was named by President Trump as Bobby Christie, the U.S. attorney in Savannah. Again, per Politico, the person who would have normally replaced Pac is the assistant U.S. attorney in Atlanta, Kurt Erskine. Of course, Pac himself was appointed by Trump and was confirmed by the Senate in 2017. Before that, he served as a Republican in the Georgia House of Representatives, where one of his colleagues was the racist guy who embarrassed himself on the latest Sasha Baron Cohen show before resigning in 2018. Finally today, dozens of evictions were delayed in Kansas City as the local tenants union took action to shut down a courthouse Tuesday morning. The group KC Tenants claimed their actions disrupted 41 eviction hearings in the morning session and another 62 that were scheduled in the afternoon session. KC Tenants is in the midst of a month-long sustained action to prevent evictions. They're calling it Zero Eviction January. Follow the group on Twitter at KC Tenants. That'll do it for the newscast today. Before we go, we've got some listener rant line messages to get to. Let's hear what y'all are saying. Hi, um, I'm just leaving a rant about 2021. I don't think it's going to be a better year. Um, (laughs) uh, It's definitely going to be worse. Um, That that meme of the uh, dumpster fire that keeps on going from like 2016 to 2017 to 2018, 2019, and it's 2021. It's just, it's just gonna, it just keeps going. I don't know. I, I don't know if there's another better metaphor for it. Uh, you keep on seeing stuff about uh, 
people that are glad that 2020 ended, and I'm, I'm just like – we're ready for it the whole decade to end, basically. I don't know if it's going to get better. Yeah, uh, it's it's bad. It's really bad. And uh, people, uh, listen to your show, like people not taking vaccines and actually nurses destroying vaccines. That's like messed up. That's probably going to be another decade right there. So, yeah, well, it's going to get bad. So that's my piece. Thanks, guys. Bye. Hard to uh, argue. Yeah, you know, I... Uh... I uh, I tend to agree, and it's funny because uh, you saw certain pundits referring to the 20s as the roaring 20s. I know you saw some pundits in the UK saying it would be the roaring 20s after Boris Johnson was elected. Um, turns out we're skipping the whole roaring 20s. We're just going right into the Great Depression. <laughs> I'm always torn between the two cliches. Well, it's only one of them's a cliche, but you know, it's always darkest before the dawn, but it's always also always darkest right before you fucking die <laughs> and it's the end. So <laughs> just uh, you know, vacillating between those two realities right now and uh right now kind of hoping for the the former that there will be a dawn at some point and things are just really fucking dark right now before they get better. Yeah, I mean, we are uh, in a place where more people are involved in socialist politics and uh, left-wing organizing. And, uh, you know, that wasn't the case 15 or 20 years ago when yeah. things also looked bleak. I know things look bleak now, uh, more bleak for a good reason, but... You know, I guess we're closer to having uh, some sort of uh, tool to get us out of this shit. Hopefully. Maybe not. Hopefully. Hopefully. You have to have hope. I mean, what else are we going to (laughs) do? Just fucking carry on in the muck forever? Um Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, One last call to get to here. Hey, District Sentinel, Happy New Year. It is White Sox Lex. I wanted to call in with the awful pundits update. The uh, 2021 tournament has begun. Let me give you some early power rankings. The favorites to win it all this year, I think, out of the 64 entrants. Uh, Barry Weiss, Ben Shapiro, Jake Tapper, Alan Dershowitz, and probably the favorite to win it all this year, Tucker Carlson. The winner of the Invitational was Charlotte Clymer, for those who missed it. Charlotte Clymer, our first ever podcast champion, the MBM champion, will uh, be there in the annals of history and a favorite to maybe make the big tournament in uh, the consequences of the regular season that will follow the uh, 2021 tournament. We've got the regular season coming after that. And the top performers in the regular season will make the 2022 tournament for uh, the title. And the people that fall just short of that will make the 2021 Invitational bracket. And to vote in the Invitational, you have to subscribe on Patreon. So be sure to check that out. And have a great new year. Yeah, hopefully 2021 goes better than 2020 for everyone. Um, You know, never too many reasons to be optimistic, but, you know, moving from Biden to Trump is, you know, yeah, it's it's not great, 
but it, it seems like a, maybe a mild improvement, and hopefully we get that in 2021. You know, let's let's root for that mild improvement over 2020. Better things are possible. Uh, have a great year, and uh, check out all the pundits. Thanks, Lex, for the call. Any thoughts on the year? I mean, 2021 has got to be a better year than 2020. We've got this expanded, awful pundit tournament content. The ever-expanding APT brand. So It's a bright spot. Yeah. Charlotte Clymer, definitely a deserving champion of the Invitational. Uh, curious to see how the, uh, the main tournament shakes out this year. Call the rant line 202-684-6108. Leave a message. We will play it on air. we got a brand new chip chat coming out tomorrow. Stay tuned for that. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be.